You're listening to Brave New Words. My name is Ed Fortune and I'm here with Del and producer Al. So on today's show we are going to be talking about Age of Heroes which is a James Lovegrove novel which is out on Rebellion uh, and it's all about gods and things which is one of our favourite topics on the show if you remember that. Uh, But coming up after this jingle we're going to do a spot of book news. This is Fab Radio International. What a lovely jingle. What a lovely jingle. So, uh, what's happening in the world of books? Shall we, I very briefly last week talked about this and then kind of didn't talk about it because it was going to make me sad. So we'll talk about it very briefly. Um, Dragon Con has had its first ever Dragon Awards. Aww. Now... What's um, Dragon Con? Dragon Con is sort of like San Diego Comic Con, but for dragons. No, it's like sort of like San Diego Comic Con. But it's been in Wales? No, it's in... Uh, <laughs> oh, it's, It should be in Wales. It's in North America, but really it should be in Wales. But it's in North America. It's a huge, massive convention-y thing. And it's kind of like... You know, if San Diego Comic Con's now too famous, yeah, yeah, Dragon Con's like the one that you go to. It's the the kind of it's where all the cool kids are now going to. Oh. So I thought all the cool kids were now going to New York. All the cool kids go to New York anyway because it's New York or Salt Lake City. Also, well, there's that whole thing, but Dragon Con has the established reputation. Okay, it could make friends with Wrexham Comic Con because that's like massive, isn't it? Like every year, Wrexham gets bigger and bigger. I think on an entirely different scale. But how great would that be? Comic-Con and a Dragon-Con next door. That'd be lovely. I I think they'd get on. be so good. But, so, the thing that's happened is they they haven't had an award ceremony at all. Because it just hasn't been, you know, it's not been that sort of a convention, if you see what I mean. Mm. And this year, some bright spot was like, oh, well, maybe we should do an award ceremony. Um, and what's happened is you look at the long list of nominations and it's a huge long list of nominations because it's pretty much it's a public vote so they've turned around to the public and gone name your favourite things and the, the, everyone's gone oh um, Terry Pratchett's latest um, oh I don't know Naomi Novik and so on uh, the fifth season was on that long list and so on a whole lot of stuff that we'd normally expect Unfortunately, um, the winner of Best Science Fiction Novel... Oh, it's going to be something horrendous, isn't it? Somewhere a Tale of un- the Unwavering Realm by John C. Wright, Castelia House. Castelia House, of course, being the house that's owned by Box State of the Sad Puppies. Yeah, I knew puppies were going to come into this somewhere. Uh, best Fantasy Novel is La- Larry Courier, another sad puppy, on The Son of the Black Sword, uh, being Books. Uh, then it kind of starts to slow down a little bit and we start to get some slightly more sensible, sensible books. But yeah, Control of the, the, uh, Revolts is another Castelia house. Essentially, they've done it again. They've got a bunch of people on the internet to spam a, an award and it's a terrible start for what could be potentially a, a great award. Um, That's really, really upsetting. It's rubbish. It, it's, you know, I'm not upset. It's just... No, but isn't it's just... It's just ridiculous. If you create such a bloody, oh, just political 
saga at one award ceremony to just move on to the next one to do the same thing like what like literally what those poor people they're probably so excited and so happy to do an amazing thing the, the awards are lovely um, Dragon Con happens at Atlanta Georgia by the by it has happened every year and it, it boards itself as the largest multimedia pop culture and con focusing on sci-fi fantasy gaming comics lit art music and film so something a comic con but a little bit smaller but you know it's smaller there. but getting there it's it's that sort of level of thing so the dragon the dragon con the dragon awards are basically little red flamey things they look kind of lovely um i suspect this sort of vote spamming won't last because the problem with the problem with all of those books is that they're a bit rubbish <laughs> and that doesn't <laughs> sorry i had a mouthful of tea <laughs> We say this, but this is the third, fourth year we've had we've had this dialogue about the Sad Puppies gaming award ceremonies. But they've had to move award ceremonies. Yes. So they'll probably do it to another award ceremony, and at which point, by the third or fourth award ceremony, people will be like, "Oh, we know those books; they're rubbish. We know that guy; he's rubbish." Yeah, but the point is, they're going to gain the system enough to get enough votes to win stuff. You just become known as the guy who cheats at award ceremonies. Mm. You know, we so can... either you end up banning them entirely, or you have to come up with a foolproof system, or that they can't gain. It'll just be panels again, won't it? Or yeah. it the, and it'll the remove the public vote. Yeah, and the problem with panels is that they sometimes have a tendency to go a bit pale, yeah. male, and stale. Yeah. Like how wrong Eurovision pretty much went this year, nearly. Um, they 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 changed the system, and then there was an uproar, wasn't there? Because some people on panels misunderstood the voting system, and now we actually don't know if things if people have been allowed to vote properly. We may not actually have had the result that that we did. Um, Australia was terrifyingly close to winning. Australia, yeah, Australia were very. Australia very will close always, to from winning. now on, be terrifyingly close. To, to winning because there is a country that is near the Eurovision but we're getting <laughs> we're getting totally off but, but, is it, but it's that idea of kind of just panels thinking that panels is the the answer to stuff but ultimately giving the public the vote should be the way forward I've seen in, but then there's playing the system I think I think you know in a large number of ways what I feel we can all tell at the moment is that giving the public the vote exclusively is a bloody stupid thing to do and leads to terrible results. Mm. Ignoring that massive elephant in the room. Uh, hi, Trevor, by the way. Um, Trevor's an elephant. Uh, for a moment, the I think what does work and what I quite like is where you have a panel composed of previous winners. Mm. Interesting. And a public vote. And you do the 50-50 thing. Now, an award ceremony that I'll not mention because I won it a few years ago. Yes, um, I was about to ask if that's how the one that you won works. Yeah, and I, I've, I've been warned about self-promotion, so we'll, we'll move past that. But it really does work because it's a fairly small community. Um, it's for games and so uh, It's a fairly, a fairly small community and they kind of, you know, you get reselected sometimes. Can I move on with the book news before I go completely mad? Yes. Oh, yeah, book uh, news. So, uh, China have had a retail summit a retail summit China have had a retail summit uh, seeking to learn lessons from the UK independent book market so bookshops in the UK are being called uh, one, on, on by one of China's largest book, bookstore chains 
which I can't pronounce, um, and an online journal to kind of form a forum to learn more about the British indie book industry. The biggest bookseller in China wants to learn about independent bookselling. Is is that genuinely what just what yeah. just what just okay? I can't imagine that it's for any reason other than to pirate the material. But there you go. Ooh. Sorry. No, I think I think it's interesting, and I think actually it's nice that a giant company is like, let's look at how independents do it. But surely, just in its very nature, everything that independent booksellers do is is because they're small scale. Like it's sure I don't. Surely, it's completely not applicable. I think what they're trying to work out is the appeal of that kind of independent bookstore, independent bookselling thing, and how they can apply that to their own chains and chat. So take take an ethos and sort of okay. So similar to how like Marks and Spencers, like were like independent boutiques are lovely. So they yeah. made Peruna, and in every Marks and Spencers, there's a little Peruna boutique feel. Yeah. Like, okay. That. I quite like Peruna. Oh yeah, no, no. I think mm. yeah, so. That section of Peruna, I can actually sometimes find something I like in. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, Cursed Child is still topping the uh, book chart because it's Cursed Child. Yes, I was in a predominantly French language bookshop in Montreal about a week and a half ago, and um, the Cursed Child in English was just one entire wall of, a, of the bookshop. That it just I. All of it. It's the fastest, (laughs) it's the best selling script book ever, or something. Which isn't surprising. I'm pretty sure that we had a conversation after they, um, we we talked about it on on the old um, Bookworm show. There was a show with you, me, and Ninfa. Yeah. And we were like, scripts don't sell. Yeah. Like, that's that's not, scripts have never really been designed to be mass sold. Scripts are designed to sell to people who want to put on the play but because this is all the next yeah because this is the next story Mm -hmm. and you can't you can't yeah you can't guarantee you'll be able to see the show the way it is intended to be seen at least you can still read the story um it's very interesting uh when we say it's the best-selling script book ever are we perhaps overlooking Shakespeare? No, but again, we had this conversation. That it, that doesn't count because Shakespeare hasn't Shakespeare hasn't released a new book. Yeah. So you can't you can't measure it that way. It's always been there as far as the book pub, the modern book publishing industry is concerned. Mm. It's like the Bible. Technically, the Bible is the best selling book, sort of probably if you measure it up. But where do you start? Which version of the Bible? Which edition? Which print? Uh, at what point do you, do you measure the run? You can't do that, it's silly. So you have to monitor the record by modern works. So that's that's where you end up with. What I find, because I, I like to read scripts, and one of the criticisms, it's one of those things I've seen, is that people have gone, oh, it's a, it's, I wasn't expecting it to be a script, and it's like, it sort of is a script. Yeah. You know, learn to read scripts in the same way that you should learn to read comic books, and you should learn to watch foreign language films. Take this as an opportunity to learn a new sub-skill. Yeah, I think it was insane. The whole reason why The Cursed Child was a play is because J.K. Rowling stood and said, this is the only format I can 
imagine this story being told in. She was never going to novelise it, and yet people just seem to have forgot, just forgot it straight away. Um, one of the one of the criticisms that did my head in was um, because I'm I basically yes diehard fan huge. I was at the midnight launch. I actually volunteered my time and created a pop up event at a midnight launch. Um, I got given a book as a thank you for volunteering my time, but I'd also already pre ordered one, so I left with my two gorgeous books. I I like oh, but um, I haven't actually read them because. I want to see it first. I want I want to experience it the way she she intended me to. Um and I can't remember why I started this point. I am hearing very good things about it as a piece of theatre. Oh yeah. Um yeah, oh, absolutely. The thing that that was it, it was so I've been basically I'm very good at avoiding spoilers for things that I am I'm very much looking forward to. Um but one of the things that was doing my nut in on Facebook was people saying that it didn't last long enough and they read it really quickly. It's like, it's a play. Isn't it a five-hour play as well? It's two, well, it's two, two parts. parts. It's two, I think it's two, two yeah, it, it's a it's two-part play. It's long. You can yeah. see why, very specifically, you can see why it's a play. Once you read the story, you're like, you could, you know, it's a play. You can see why it's a play. I also wanted to go and see it before I read it, but it's my mm. job to read these things. So. Yeah, you have no choice. Whereas I get to say no. Pretty much. Uh, shall we? Shall we move on to something that's not news? Game of Thrones book publication date is not finalised. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked. What? What? Has he actually finished it? Uh, apparently the last, the last time I think that we talked about this it was the tail end of last year and he was going to be late with delivery oh is this still the same one the winter winter yeah brilliant should be out in March now brilliant has he, has he actually so he's actually finished it um, has he delivered a finished manuscript to his agent slash publisher well <laughs> if it's not uh, earlier this year he said it was months away from completion so I mean I know I'm like with deadlines sometimes I'm like oh, I'll be there now hang on and then I'll, I'll walk and write it this is not like being in, in uni you can't stay up the night before and start writing it at 11 o'clock and hope that you'll have it by 7am that's not going to work this time yeah, but also I think surely a bit of your brain must go I'm George R.R. R. Martin what are you going to do about it <laughs> like well, he can turn up for that book any time he wants, as long as he turns up with it. Yeah, I'm aware that season seven of the TV show has been put back to next June, which has caused all sorts of complaints from people, that, people on the Facebook. That surely won't be because of this, though. Because no, they, that's because that, there's always is, been a plan. That's because no. winter is coming, but not quickly enough to the filming locations. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Belfast, <laughs> you are not cold Dear enough. Not. Yes. Is it Iceland as well? Yeah, there's been, there's been certainly some in Iceland last time. So, Tana who passed away recently, uh, Home is up for sale. Uh, it's it's on the internet, so you can find it uh, quite easily. Um, if you want to own Tana house. Is this one down in the south coast of England somewhere? Yes, it looks lovely. Mm. And it's got, I mean, one of the things that I remember from one of her books is um, this house with kind of the stained glasses and the stained glasses description and she's got stained glass in her home and you're like yeah I, oh. I saw one picture of the stained glass and I didn't want to torture myself any further uh, it's one of those houses that 
if you look at it with a kind of kind of homeowner's eye, you sit there and you go, I do not want to do that plaster work. I do not want to pay <laughs> for the new electrics. Mm. You know, if, you, if you're being entirely practical, you're like, oh my God, this would be a nightmare to restore. Um, but if you just think about a really pretty hot home from, you know, one of the, the most significant British authors of last century, because you mostly wrote stuff last century, yeah. Um, then yeah, um, really, really important place, which will probably get sold to the developer and made into Pontifacts. Made into oh. Pontifacts because that's that, that's what happened with Ray Bradbury's is, home. Is it not no. somewhere vaguely near Brighton, uh, which is like commuter belt? Central. I think it might be. Mm. Oh, so, someone might heritage it. You never know. Mm. Like they might go, let's keep this. So I, I put a, a book through the post. It's Sarah Pindra's latest. I will have to read it soon. I've really just noticed it's orange on the edges of the pages. It is. It's called Behind Her Eyes. It's out in January. We will be doing a, a thing of it. It says hashtag WTF that ending. What, the Friday of that ending? Yes, absolutely. That's what that means. Um, and it says on the front, don't trust this book. Don't trust this story. Don't trust yourself. I feel like everything you've just said is pro- like pre-blowing my mind for some form of twist. Yes, there's definitely a thing going on there. Yeah, yeah. unless that's the thing that's, that's going to be the twist. I, what I also really like is that it's from the future. Because the copyright is 2017. <laughs> it's out in January. I, I'm kind of expecting just to like open it up and like in that scene in Halloween 3. Just something laser- like that and hug your face. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Well, like, like a laser beam just pops out from the spine and takes me, takes me out or something. Don't trust this book. So we've got, we're going to have this locked up downstairs in the book nook. Yeah. Behind a special closed enclosure, just in case it pulls a knife on us. I see, I was wondering, don't trust this book. I was wondering if you were going to open the cover and there was a Kindle inside. That'd <laughs> 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 <Be> awesome. <laughs> so you're just carrying your Kindle in a book. I'm going to start doing that, start hollowing out some books as like nice Kindle covers. They're, these, they're just these things that used to exist that like take a good bashing. <laughs> your Kindle will be safe forever. <laughs> My Kindle has a kind of bow book protection-y thing. You can get them, Carl. You can't you get Kindle cases that look like books. I'm sure you can. Of I'm sure I'm not imagining that. I actually want one that just says Fifty Shades of Grey on the front. Just <laughs> kind of do the reverse of that, that old old gag. Also available in, in uh, Quebec's French in Montreal. Fifty it's, Shades of Grey. Yes. I recognised it by the book cover because my French is not that good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the cover, the cover image was exactly the same as it is in this country. Isn't French really silly when it comes to numbers over a certain point yes. as well? It gets really daft. Yeah, like 420 yeah. is like 80. And then 420, 420 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10
International. Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 9 p.m. till 11 p.m. Exclusive to Fab Radio International. Hey, that was a nice jingly thing. It was a very lovely jingly thing. He said, desperately looking for his Kindle that he had in his hands literally seconds ago. Does your Kindle come with a spray, like, book smell? What? You know how books and smell like the books have smell yes. so like does your kindle smell. come with like book smell whether that I would be disappointed if it did or if that's something <laughs> I would desperately need well the case is rather soft so I could spray vanilla essence onto it, and it books don't smell of vanilla they sort of do actually what it's the same root family vanilla is the same root family as the old book smell shush vanilla's gross it, it's the same root family it's not the same Good. It's not the same smell. It's the same like batch of chemicals. So you can you can use vanilla per- perfume to make old book smell perfume. He said we're very sure this science because you know I was a science technician like two decades ago. Anyway, moving on. So Age of Heroes is the latest by James Lovegrove. We've talked about James Lovegrove before. I really liked his Age of Satan. Mm. Um, his a- Age of Nancy, I think it was. And Age of Shiva. Now, Age of Shiva was literally the one where you had the you know, the Hindu gods, and what they'd done is they'd become they turned themselves like mortals and turned themselves into uh, manifestations of Hindu gods. So they were superheroes, and they were being marketed in the real world as a superhero team. Aww. So, so uh, someone who had been transformed into Hanuman was the amazing Hanuman and was running around. You know, fighting crime as a kind of monkey-faced superhero guy. Age of Heroes. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, nice little Myrmidon motif. Mm. Uh, which gives you a rough idea of what he means by heroes. We're literally talking about the Greek demigods. So uh, Theseus, um, Odysseus, though Odysseus is arguably a demigod. Her- Heracles. Perseus. Her- Perseus. Hippolyta. Hippolyta. Even. Hippolyta. Hippolyta. <laughs> Yay. Hippolyta. Um, and so on. So, short version, I really like James Lovegrove, and I still really like James Lovegrove. Yes. Um, th- there's something about the idea of old gods in the digital age that I really like. I think, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll never be going to ramble into American gods at some point, but that's not right now. <laughs> but, you know, American gods now get and grab this idea of you know, the lost and forgotten gods. And the reason that we keep going back to them, of course, is their timeless concepts, aren't they? We, we kind yeah. of like this kind of build. So what he does in Age of Heroes is we, we meet Theseus. And Theseus is kind of bumming around as a, as a, as a pulp fiction writer. He's writing pulp fiction novels. And we, we get a bit of background as to what's going on with Theseus. He spent most of his immortal life, because all the demigods are still around and they're still immortal. So when okay. is this set? Modern day. Okay. So, age of, it, I'll, I'll do the setup. Yeah, so we, we, we meet a dude called Anthony Peregrine uh, at the very start of the book. And he's, you know, he's a travel writer. He's been, he's got this wanderlust. And he meets up with this guy and, you know, Actually, he's not a travel writer. He's a Greek demigod, mm. and he's he's he likes to explore. Shall we say? You mentioned Perseus a moment ago. 
Yep. Uh, and Oki is on explore, and then Dan 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 murder. Oh. Oh. Um, the plot of it is there are a bunch of assassins running around killing the demigods. That's unexpected. Yeah. Rolling on, we cut to Theseus. Theseus had spent most of his life fighting his immortal life, doing good. Sometimes in the 1920s, he mentions that he was a noir detective who had <gasps> two fisted crime. And oh. you can just see the kind of. He's basically been Batman for the last you know, few hundred years <laughs> in various types, running around. And by the time he gets to the 80s, he's like, this is not working. He kind of. It's almost implied that he hits the 90s, which is the age of really gritty superheroes that weren't really helping. Mm. And he's gone. No, nope, I'm going to stop now because I'm not a great superhero. I'm a hero, <laughs> uh, and start writing these kind of pulp novels. And James Lovegrove writes pulp kind of adventure novels, and you just sit there going, "James, James, do you have a confession to make? Are you, are you secretly a demigod, or do you just like making really meta jokes about pulp fiction and pulp, pulp writing?" So there's like a whole set of gags about Goodreads. <laughs> <laughs> And this sort of thing. Um, so yeah, we meet Theseus, and Theseus is currently spending his time writing novels. And then his mate, uh, a friend of his, Orion, phones up and says, "Hi." Now Orion, of course, is spending his time um, on a uh, reality TV show where he proves that monsters do- don't exist. And he and his friends do a bear grill style thing where they run around the forest and they go, "There should be a sw- Sasquatch here." And they're kind of like Mythbusters for monsters. <laughs> but obviously Orion every once in a while sneaks off and punches a Sasquatch in the face because they are real. He's just keeping it kind of on the down. It's a good way of funding your your monster kicking service. So I, I've given away by the way like chapter one. This is like how it opens. Oh, cool. So this kind of, kind of there's definitely a mystery to it and there's definitely a mystery vibe to it. But what this basically is is it's pulp, pulp adventure, demigod, demigod superhero stuff. So it's really it pulpy. Quite interesting. It's yeah. really pulpy. It's really fun. Um, I ripped for it on a flight. Uh, I was flying out of Munich. Was it Munich? I was flying out of somewhere. Um, I just ripped for it at speed and just went, oh, wow, it's finished. Uh, I did the same with um, Guy Seabold's Swell Falling, but that's Solaris for you. They do really good, kind of fast, kind of mm. almost addictive pul- pulpy books. But James Lovegrove writes on lots of different levels, all of them fun. It's like, you know, some people are like, oh, he's written on lots of different levels, and I can I can examine his writing and then tell you that. Theme- no, none of that. There's, there's, a, there's a theme of like superhero pulp fun, and there's a theme of like Greek god mythology pulp fun. And then it's all pulp fun. It's just that he's worked on... Diff- it works on different levels. So if you like reworkings of God stories, then Age of Heroes. If you like um, kind of... If you want, if you think that American Gods is way too dark for you, Age of Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so on. It's that kind of... If you like the TV series Xena or Hercules, then Age of Heroes. If you like Super Heroes, Age of Heroes. Uh, and that's kind of what he's done. He's drawn on a whole lot of ideas. Again, he's done that thing where he's drawn this interesting world and you go, I want to know more. And you're not going to get more. That, that's it. He's now going to move on to another pantheon because the pan- point of the pantheon series is he keeps doing different different gods. 
Um, so Interpedu, for example, again created this really nice world of uncaring supernatural entities that were a bit dark and a bit malicious. But at the core of it, it was a you know it was a island adventure story. So how many of these has he done? Um, lot. Right. Quite a few. Off the top of my head, um, six or seven. I could. I, what I'll do. If only is, you had access to the internet. If only you had access to the actual book, which has got them all listed in the corner. Um, he said, scrolling rapidly through his Kindle. Oh, this is the problem, Kittles. Uh, so, wow, the Pelican series: the Age of Ra, the Age of Zeus, the Age of Odin, the Age of Aztec, Age of Voodoo, Age of Godpunk, and Age of Shiva. Okay, Age of Godpunk. Yeah, what's that about? Age of Godpunk is a collection of little stories, ah. um, which includes Age of Satan. Okay. Which is one of my favourite wee novellas of that series. Because what he also does is he kind of narrows the focus and genre for each, which is appropriate to each god. So Age of Voodoo is a kind of James Bondy kind Ooh. of Paradise Islandy style story. Uh, whereas Age of Satan is Hammer Horror. Because of course it is. Um, so, you know, Age of Shiva is more of a superhero story because they're more superhero styles. So, yeah, it's James Lovegrove. He's written an absolute pile of stuff as well. Um, is it available in Dead Tree version as well as E, e version? It is available in Dead Tree version. At some point, I think we're going to go back to um, James Lovegrove's work and probably talk about The Thinking Engine, which is one of his Sherlock Holmes novels. I bet we have on the shelf of Holmes back at the book nook somewhere. See, but, but, but the, the, the shelf of Holmes. It is a shelf of Holmes at this point. There are an awful lot of Sherlock Holmes books out there. But we've talked about that before. We, we have. What I don't think will ever happen to these books is I don't think they're going to get a TV series, unlike American Gods. He's mm. getting a TV series. You keep, we just keep getting these casting, this casting updates mm. from America. Well, they're not making, they're making it though, aren't they? Are they in production? It's in production. Oh, right. I was going to say, because like sometimes when you just keep getting casting information it means nothing like they started casting Sin City 2 as soon as Sin City came out and it's, I'm pretty sure it took 10 years to actually make it not quite 10 well, actually the, no pretty much 10 well they're, they're saying that let's see they, they've got Lovejoy um, am I in it? are you in it? I don't know are you in it? I don't know I thought he was becoming a Marvel superhero Lovejoy? yeah Lovejoy may, may well also. Which mountain superhero was Lovejoy getting to be? I don't know. It was a Daily Matter article. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Where he fights, um, he fights crime using using his ability to. Uh... Can I just clarify? We are talking about Ian McShane. Yes. yes, I love Ian McShane. Do you know who he's playing? I can't. Can I? Is it who I think it would be? Go for it. Is is he playing Wednesday? He is playing Mister ah! Wednesday. Oh my God! This could have be amazing. Am I in it? Are, are you in it? I bet. I better be. Yeah. <laughs> what's What's happening? The, the, the um, I'm, I'm, I am bast. <laughs> the, the trailer they showed at um, SDCC. At SDCC has the line where he meets Shadow and says, "Call me Mr. Wednesday." And uh, so he's, if you've not read Neil Gaiman's American Gods, then what are you doing listening to a genre book show? <laughs> what are you doing listening to a genre book show? Uh, and yeah, uh, 
<laughs> go and go and read that once you've finished listening to our show as well. You should tell us what you think about it at Radio Bookworm on Twitter as well, definitely, because mm. we haven't plugged the show right now. Yeah. Uh, who else do we have? Um, so, I'm, uh, so Shadow Moon is being played by Vicky Whittle, obviously. Crispin Glover is Mr. World. Gillian Anderson is Media. I can see that. Who's Bill Quiz? Uh, no. <laughs> have you decided they've got that wrong? Yeah. Is, Tom is Hiddle- it me? <laughs> is Tom Hiddleston in it? I feel like Tom Hiddleston's in it. I might be wrong. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. No, I mean, I'm presuming he's busy in Australia right now being being um, Loki. Well, isn't he also... Hasn't he just put up with Taylor Swift? He has. As, um, as if. As if. I refuse to be on a show where we talk about the fact that Tom Hiddleston has broken up with Taylor Swift. Hater's gonna hate. Oh. Hate, 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 hate. And they never heard from Dell again. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it looks really good. And again, it's you know, it's Brian Fuller. He, he stopped. He stopped doing Hannibal. He's not doing Hannibal, which is a TV series based on a book. To mm. do a TV series based on a book, but in fairness, if you could, if you could drop Thomas Harris for Neil Gaiman, you totally would. Let's be honest. Yeah. So is that what happened then? Did he drop Hannibal to do this? Pretty much. Amazing. But in, in fairness, I've, I feel that Hannibal would run its course. Yeah. Well, even if it hadn't, and even if it was on top form, the fact, like you were saying, when you're like, oh, like, American gods, we won't get on for that now. Like, there, there's a reason why so many things... And it's not necessarily even that you're creating a comparison, but it is... I know American Gods is American Gods is a story about like archetypes, but but American Gods has kind of become an archetype of this genre. Like it's it started something, and it's beautiful in so many ways, and so different to a lot of things that people had read at that time. And the amount of people I know who read genre fiction. Because somebody handed them American Gods. I don't think Jim Flood Grove would have been able to have pitched his Age of Pantheon series as successfully if it wasn't for American Gods. Mm. I don't think The Wicked and the Divine would have existed um, if it wasn't for American Gods. It's described as Neil Gaiman's groundbreaking novel, and it really is. It, it made Neil Gaiman, because he'd written The Sandman, which had been read by us and my nerds, yeah, and then he'd written Neverwhere, which had been made into a TV series, and that didn't really work as a TV series. Well, isn't that because isn't it the other way around? It, it wasn't it that he wrote the TV series, realised he didn't like it, and then wrote the novel that was the story he wished he wished he'd been able to tell. Isn't that a little bit Douglas Adams? But it didn't make. Well, I said him... I quite like the TV series of Neverwhere. It's I didn't it. ever see it. Yeah. I was a bit too little. I believe they reshowed it on BBC. I said they reshowed it on BBC Four the other year. I think they, we have, or we had it on video or something. We have it somewhere in the book nook. Yes. Because it was one of my kind of treasured VHS possessions. Mm. I don't think we've got the the DVD, uh, but I remember as a kind of you know a, a, a teenage nerd, it coming on and going. I have to watch this show. Yeah. And then realizing that it'd been made by the BBC in the 80s or possibly the 90s and they did not understand sci-fi well it's not just that it's the fact that it looked a bit Doctor Who yeah. mm. there's a, a the um, 
Doors hanging gallery where you've got all these little pictures and all these little ideas. And in, in the novel and in, in the comic book, looks amazing because it's you know it's all these little portals to other places. Yeah. Um, in the TV series, it's a bit rubbish. I think that's why I was so excited at the premise of it being made into a radio series because I think there's so many things that in my head are amazing and beautiful but they couldn't be realised visually um, and it wouldn't be the same and I think sometimes a visual format can actually be quite quite limiting um, it's like um, one of my friends told, like this was, this was years ago we were having this conversation but she, she was saying about um, Audrey Niffenegger the um, the time traveller's wife she's a she's a graphic artist author a graphic novel author um but when she came up with the concept for time traveler's right wife and was um was coming up when she was making it she couldn't think of a way that they could do the time travel in a graphic novel that wouldn't look naff so she yeah. wrote it mm. instead i've just done a, a sneaky thing on popping on the goodreads and going books like american gods and the results basically say urban fantasy and urban fantasy existed as a genre beforehand it always has it's you know the idea of bringing the supernatural into the real world is a, is an easy idea but it's such a ready idea because the the reason the you know the stories about four have survived so long is because he's got lightning <laughs> he's a bit of an idiot <laughs> and we all know someone who is quite powerful but also a complete tool you know someone who's got a massive amount of influence son of a you know son of someone also quite influential and powerful there is not much difference mythologically speaking between Odin and Zeus if you disagree please video big one um, but the kind of the big fatherhood style gods have a very similar sort of vibe going on with them mm. and it's not you know it's, it's, it's again that kind of grumpy father figure <laughs> where you know he eventually gains wisdom, but it costs him. And the difference, of course, between Odin and Zeus is Zeus does is Odin eventually gets some wisdom, whereas Zeus just gets henpecked until he doesn't anymore. <laughs> basically, because the the mm. whole thing with Zeus is he's always an idiot. I don't know if I the idea of just pegging it as this is urban fantasy. It just doesn't feel like enough. It is so much more, and I, I don't, I actually, yeah, I don't know if I completely agree with it just being this idea of of urban fantasy because I don't think it's about fantasy in the real world so much. I think it's, I'd almost say that American Gods is the other way around. It's about fantasy. It's it's not about fantasy in the real world. It's about the real world in fantasy. These people already existed, and then it's about us learning how they dealt with a world that was created around them um yeah i don't i don't think that's made me very happy <laughs> but i kind of I, I can see where people are going with it where they say you know because one of the things that he, he, apparently american gods gets compared to fables i would never compare it to fables mm. it, in my head and it's just is it just because neil gaiman is a is a comic book writer as well is that the, the reason um, but yeah I, so shall we 
as we have run out of things to talk bimble about shall we talk to a lovely author yeah a lovely author a lovely author jock welcome to brave new words thank you thanks for having me so tell us about your latest project yeah, so uh, I've got an art book coming out. Um, uh, it's called The Art of Jock. It's, uh, I've made it with my friends at Mondo, who I, I do a lot of uh, poster work for, and it's they're moving into publishing, and um, uh, it's their first uh, publication, basically. Um, we partner with Insight Editions, who make really uh, nicely produced books. Uh, they're based over in America. Um, and, yeah, it's basically a sort of retrospective of my career over the last 15 years. Um uh, we've got a comic section in there, a, a film section uh, with my concept work for various movies, and, and a poster section as well, which is which is pretty well. It is actually the first time that any of the Mondo stuff has been uh, reprinted because they're, they're limited edition silk screens, and, and and once they're gone, they're gone. So it's the first time that uh, people get a chance to actually see these things in in decent print. So, how different is your movie work from your comic book creation work? Uh, it's entirely different. <laughs> yeah, it's um, they're, they're completely different disciplines, really. I mean, my my my, um, my film work sort of it, it wasn't something that I planned. It, I kind of fell into it by accident, really. Um, you know, that I was doing comics, and um, uh, I met a, a writer director called Peter Berg, who, who was going to be originally directing the adaptation of uh, a comic I did with Andy Diggle called The Losers. And um, we met Pete in, in London um, when, when he was attached to that to that film, and we sort of stayed in touch. And 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 as he you know went on to other movies, he he he'd give me a shout and ask if I wanted to do some some artwork for it. Um, and and then he was going to be doing uh, adaptation of Dune, Frank Herbert's Dune, and and um, and he asked me to do some concept art. And and it's the first time that I'd kind of considered it really. Um, yeah, and concept art's kind of more more painterly. You know, is the, the the images have to be richer. There has to be more to them. I guess you know. Comic have a sort of specific kind of um uh you know goal with the artwork and that's to tell the story well and and concept art has a different function um uh so yeah so it is very different but but i I really enjoy doing the stuff for pete for dune and then straight after that was when uh was when i heard that the the, the dread movie was being sort of greenlit and 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 i was uh and and i got the call to, to work on that too your work is very striking and cinematic how did you come to the conclusion to go to that style? What inspired you to head in that direction? Well, I mean, I guess um, I mean I, I like movies just as much as I like comics. So, so um, I, I don't deliberately draw cinematically, but I, but but I think that's probably you know the language that I that I kind of you know veer towards. I guess you know. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've been very lucky that I've worked with amazing writers. You know, you know, Andy, Andy Diggle, Scott Snyder, uh, Jason Aaron, Mike Carey. You know, all all just uh, you know, people at the top of their game. So, and 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 they're friends as well. So 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 they're very open to to collaboration. And Scott, for example, who I'm working with at the moment on Batman and Witches, um, he's always asking for input and you know whether this scene could be different and if I wanted to change this or or have any ideas. But the truth is. You know, when you work with such good writers, you know the the, the script comes in and, and and it's fantastic. So, it's it's um, you know, it, it's it's not really my job to kind of change that. The the, the stories are already there. I, I always feel like my job is just to get it across visually as as, as best as I can. And um, uh, you know, yeah. And, and to answer your question, I, I, I don't really I don't really think deliberately that whether I'm going to do it, you know, 
cinematically or more you know it's, 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 I, I just try and draw what i would like to see if, if that makes sense um so i you know it's, it's, it's a bit more kind of instinctual i guess maybe um but uh yeah I, you know I, I suppose because cinema is a big part of my influence then 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 i guess there will be that element in there coming back to the book that you've got coming out how do you select your favorite pages uh, well, do you know what? Funny, when, when I was asked, to, uh, I got contacted by another publisher actually. It was about two or three years ago, who sort of asked if I wanted to do an art book, and I was kind of a, a bit hesitant. I thought, really, you know, do, do I have do I have enough stuff in there? And 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 when I started selecting the the pages for the book, I realised it wasn't a case of how much to we were going to put in it was what we had to leave out so actually we were really you know i felt quite lucky that i've been you know most of the stuff in there is kind of you know stuff that i'm proud of you know you know um uh you know it was great to have so much to kind of draw on um it isn't often that i'm proud of (laughs) of work you know i think you know you're always looking to improve but um because it's been such a long time now that there was a lot of stuff to to choose from but um, i mean in particulars i'm i'm proud of this that we got the decent sections for ex machina and, and dread in there um I, I love that we've got we've got like kind of um gatefolds and acetate overlays and like vellum overlays showing like the inks on on top of the colors so you know you've got the kind of you know the, the full color image but it's got the acetate and you can lift it up and see see what the inks were on top and, the, and what colors are underneath so and and you know and also just in in general the 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 quality of the book is so good like yeah you know because mondo are very well known for making very high quality sort of stuff uh, I, I always said that the only thing that should let it down is uh, are my crappy drawings <laughs> you know <laughs> so so so, so the, I, I guess the thing I'm, I'm i'm you know i'm most proud of in lots of ways is just the entire package you know it, it's it's i'm really uh i'm so pleased with how it's come out so you worked on Ava for the movie Ex Machina. How did that come about, and what was it like to do? Yeah, I mean, uh, um, I mean, I, I was, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't specifically design Ava. I, I was, I was one of the people that 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 worked on Ava. Um, I mean, uh, uh, so I mean that that was because of, of of knowing Alex through Dread, and and he called me before the film was was greenlit, before there were any actors attached, before there was anything in place. He just called and said, "Look, look I've got this script, and there's a there's a you know there's an AI robot, and, and we need to figure out what she looks like. Would you be interested?" So, so it was literally just me and Alex for about six weeks, if I remember. Um, you know, I'd, I'd I'd do stuff each day. I'd fire it off at night. We'd we'd speak every single morning and talk about you know not only what she should look like but what she shouldn't look like. You know, there's so many um, you know, so many kind of iconic uh, uh, you know, c- cinematic robots. You know, like the you know Metropolis, obviously, and even like the Bjork uh, video by Chris Cunningham. You know, with the white kind of uh, um, kind of you know plastic kind of pieces. Is you know, they're all really iconic stuff that has been aped many times so it was about trying to figure out a, a, an original look for 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 this for this girl for this for this machine um but obviously you know what even though my designs were were pretty um in place then that then when uh, double negative the effects company came in they obviously had a massive part to play in in actually putting her together and 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 making her a workable 3d you know object which which uh, you know so they had had a big part in in the final you know the final look of her so you know it, as as is anything with film it, it was a it was a collaboration but um i mean you know she looks so good on screen i'm 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 very proud that that, that i had a you know a, a, a part in that where do you see the future of the comics industry 
Um, I, th- I think comics are in a really healthy place right now. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's a strange time for everyone in relation to like, you know, print versus kind of digital and all, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, the, 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 the breadth of comics coming out right now, um, you know, the, the variety of stuff is, is amazing and they're far more diverse now. They're far more, I think because of all, because of the success of the, of the movies, um, you know, there's a far more diverse readership as well. You know, like when I started about 15 years ago, you know, it was, it was a little bit of the cliche that you go to a comic convention, it basically be, be dudes, you know, and it kind of the kind of there, but then as, as, as the years go by, you know, you see more families, you see more children, you see, you know, it just becomes more diverse and open. And, 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 and I think that's a really healthy place to be for, for any, you know, creative industry. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about comics at all. I mean, yeah, you know, the, the, the physical sales, um, you know, over, over the last 10, 20 years have, have dropped, but actually even now there's some, you know, that the, the, some of the books that have come out this summer are doing like way more than 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 anything for like for a while. So, uh, you know, it fluctuates, and there's always the concern there. But for me, I, you know, what I'm interested in is good comics, and and I think there's there's hundreds of those around right. Are indie comics on the rise? Are they going to replace the mainstream? I I I think I think it's kind of like I, th- I think they'll they'll just always be both you know it's it's never black and white is it you know any any sort of question like this is it's always gray, a gray gray area and you know it's like music you know of course you get your mainstream chart stuff but there will always be indie bands and or the, the, who are very successful and and you know and and sell a lot of records or, or you know um, so. Um, I think yeah I think maybe because of the way that you know the world has changed with with the internet and the digital uh, age as it were you know um the way people consume stuff is differently and uh, is different excuse me and and, and and I think um that kind of being drip fed the two mainstream super superhero you know kind of DC and Marvel kind of comics maybe that that will that will not have quite the quite the hold that, that it that it always has, you know, because because you can get anything now, you know, um, and, and and it's been brilliant to see the rise of, of of Image Comics and the kind of you know, I mean, the a comic that I did with Scott uh, Snyder, which is through Image, and it's you know, it's like a, it's quite a dark uh, horror basically, you know, it's quite a sort of um, I don't want to say sort of marginalised, but it's kind of you know it, it's it's quite grim it's it's dark it's you know it deals with sort of you know subject matters which aren't you know necessarily mainstream as it were but but you know we did we, we it, it's done really really well and and that and, and that to me is a really good example of how kind of the independent scene is is, is flourishing what's the exciting thing you're doing right now uh right now i'm doing uh, comics wise i'm doing an issue of all-star batman with scott and then uh and then we start on the next uh, uh, arc of um, Witches, which is long overdue. Uh, I'm doing some posters for Mondo. I'll, I'll be at MondoCon in, in Austin in, in October um, with a few new posters. Um, uh, and uh, I've just finished um, on uh, working up at Pinewood on Star Wars Episode Eight as well. So a, a range of stuff. I know the answer already, but I have to ask, what can you tell us about Episode Eight? I, I, I can tell you nothing at all, Ed. <laughs> but, you, but, but, but you could guess that, right? <laughs> so what advice would you give to new artists or young artists trying to make a start in the industry? Um, the advice I always say is, is, is just persistence. You know, it took me years and years of being very poor and, and not having any work before 
getting any kind of kind of regular work um but but i kind of believed that i could do it you know so so i, I just uh, stuck at it um uh you know that but but like make comics you know you know sometimes like sort of you know the question is kind of how how, how can i get published and it's like well these days because of the internet you know do you just make comics and 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 if they're good, if you know, if you can put them online for people to see, and people will respond to them and share them, and that that's what you can point publishers at these days. So that that's uh, you know, you know, the idea of kind of oh, I'd love to do comics. Can I do that? It's just like well, just start making them now. You know that that's 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 the advice I would say. And some daft quick five questions. So Judge Dredd or Lenny Zero? Whoa, <laughs> uh, well Lenny Zero, I suppose, right? Batman or Superman? Batman, I'm afraid. Spaceships or dragons? Spaceships. And finally, truth or beauty? Beauty. Oh, hang on. No, truth, obviously, truth. (laughs) Yeah, no, both. Truth and beauty. Jock, thank you for being on Drift New Words. Thanks, Ed. Cheers. Across the world. And the music stopped, yet producer Al is still giving it large. So there we go. So you can find us on social media, you can find us on at Radio Bookram, you can find us on Tumblr with Brave New Words, you can find us on Facebook and you can join the Facebook secret secret And on Instagram. Are we on Instagram? But on Instagram. Is it instant? Is it Grammy? Yes. Is it? How is Instagram uh, with some grand- grandmothers? No. Oh, okay. Do we still have the Tumblr Mind Palace? Yes. Oh, cool. We've got too it's, much it, stuff it, on the it, internet. It needs a Hoover, but yes. <gasps> you can't Hoover a Mind Palace. You use a Mind Hoover. Shh. Maybe a Mind Dyson, depending on how classy you are. Or a mind rumba. And <laughs> that'd be very classy. That would be an automate. That'd be like having an automated, like having a mouse brain doing it for you. That'd be weird. You need a telepathic mouse. I've ran out of telepathic mice as well after that incident with F two. Shall we run away and do and talk about other things and read some books, maybe? Read some books. Okay, so it's goodbye from me, Ed Fortune. Goodbye from me, Dell. And goodbye from me, producer Al. Go away. Steve's Speed Shop is a place to discuss, debate and just waffle on about old and interesting motors, mainly, but not exclusively, of the internal combustion variety. We'll have auction reports, buyer's guides, show previews and restoration stories to inspire, excite and occasionally terrify. That's the Speed Shop with me, Steve Berry, here on Fab Radio International.